the cloud. Oh, oh, there you, heard, you heard her. We're, we're recording in progress. Yeah. So I'll, I'll introduce the podcast and then I'll introduce you and then I'll introduce the concept and we can get, get rolling. Sounds good. Cool. Now I can throw you in the corner over here. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, all right. <clears throat> That's how you always start it. <clears throat> Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the ATNWB podcast. I'm your host, Chris Booker-Taylor, and I am joined here today with a very special guest. We're going to be talking about a very special topic, um, which I think he knows a lot about. Again, I like to use the term lovers, not experts, but I feel like with what you wrote to me, you're definitely more of an expert on this topic. Uh, but uh, give it up for uh, Jeremy Bloom. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, everyone. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call myself an expert by any means, but I did just binge the series because what else am I going to do for winter break when it's COVID times, right? Exactly. So I'm sure if you've clicked on this episode, then you know what's happening right now because you you read the, the title of it. But we're going to be going over Steven Universe today. Steve the Universe, which I in reading your notes for it again, I've only seen commercials for it, you know, like I've never truly watched an episode. This was definitely get me to watch it, but there's a lot of very existential uh, things. I feel like in the show, there's a very, a lot of like very big heady ideas, which I think are really, really, really cool. And um, I think the best way you could uh relate this is if you can find a way to relate everything to star wars then my brain will be like oh i get it okay it's fine. <laughs> that, that makes sense <laughs> yeah um so if you want to if you want to get going um i mean just the general um overview um steven universe is a cartoon network show when did it mm-hmm. premiere 2017 uh, I think it might have even been a little earlier. You know, I didn't even look when I was just binging the whole thing. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I, immediately, we're failing at. Um, I, I I set us up for failure, though, right there. 2013. I looked it up. Wow. So the show's even a lot older than I even thought it was. Yeah. Jeez, uh, it's eight years old now. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, they definitely like retired it for a bit, and then they did the future season or movie, right? Yeah, it went five seasons. And then after the fifth season, the story was over. Like everything that had been building up was all completed. And they followed up with a movie that was just a nice little bow on top. And after the movie, they were like, but what about an epilogue, though? Like, (laughs) so it was interesting because I don't see that happen a lot. Uh, Future was a 20 episode season. And it was literally the whole idea was let's deal with the trauma that happens when we win. Like mm. let's like your whole goal is, you know, end this war or whatever, but then what? Yeah, like, you're saying like survivor's remorse. A little bit. I mean, that's definitely a thing throughout the show as well uh, between Steven and Amethyst both. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, it's kind of like, okay, he's dealing with this, but also a big thing in the show is like his mom did a lot of messed up stuff and he's been dealing with it, but now he has to deal with his own trauma having to do with his mom. And they don't even, uh, they don't even glaze over that at all. They actually use the word trauma a few times in one of the episodes. They're just like like the, the sins of the parents or like the, the lies our parents told us, or even like, um, 
what's that what's that called um uh i can't think of the term for it but it's like something guilt where it travels on from like generational trauma generational guilt yeah it is absolutely generational trauma yeah which they deal with on the show watchmen with um um uh black americans they deal with the idea of um this this trauma being carried on from generation to generation which i think is really powerful yeah absolutely that's one i've been meaning to get to this is so good it's like it's like too good it's not fair and then like you'll watch it now and you'll be like well it's a little on the nose everyone's wearing a mask and like uh and like like it's like the cops are the bad guys and it's like this was made like november 2019 like before the pandemic like before the george floyd like it's it's nuts how much this like predicted they just knew they knew it yeah i mean damon lindelof is a genius he's a bloody genius amazing yeah love that guy uh so i the one aspect in your notes that i was that that came out to me immediately was that it seems like everyone isn't human in this universe, in this Steven universe. It seems like they're all <laughs> gems that like they they um, like there's like evil gems and good gems or there's like diamonds and gems. I don't know. Uh, yeah. So it's it sounds like a complicated concept, but the idea is it is the world. It's the earth. Mm-hmm. Um but there are these gem creatures that came here thousands and thousands of years ago. And the idea was that they were going to colonize the planet and basically destroy all life on it so that they could make it a gem colony. Okay. So, so are they like anthropomorphic gems? <laughs> in a way. Um, they, they have anthropomorphic forms, but mm-hmm. the gems themselves are their bodies and they project light into whatever form they feel is necessary okay so they're like they're like holograms it's cool yeah they're like hard light holograms um i love it that's how um in the donkey kong universe we explain some stuff away sometimes like oh that, i know that character died but they're like they're they're like in the steady kong racing game or something you know so it's just a hard light hologram don't worry about it i mean essentially uh, but yeah, it's also just a thing that's explored a lot throughout the series where like if one of them is just destroyed in battle, they'll poof and then their gem is left. And it's like, oh, they'll be fine. They'll just regenerate at some point from their gem. That's They're cool. In there considering their new form. They're like all kyber crystals. It was like if Jedi were also kyber crystals. <laughs> it's basically if Jedi were kyber crystals. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the thing. And the idea in this story is Steven is special because his dad is human and his mom was a gem. So, yeah. And the whole thing that you're exploring through most of the series is his mom, Rose Quartz was so cool. She was really cool, but also just a big freedom fighter. And she was fighting for earth. She was saying, you know, there's so much beautiful life here. We don't want to just destroy that for a geo weapon, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so she was fighting the forces of the diamonds who are the heads of the gems. It's so cool. Yeah. So it's interesting because Stephen was obviously not alive during the war because in the first episode, they say his mom gave up her physical form to become him. Okay. 
Um, and I, if I again, if I can relate to Star Wars, it almost feels like in Rise of Skywalker when um, Ben Solo sacrifices his life force and gives it to Ray, so Ray can be resurrected. Like he gives it, he he finishes what Anakin starts, which um, he saves the one he loves through the Force, but he uses the light side and like the the um, you know the selfless idea of giving your whole life force to someone else. I think is a very light side idea, and that's what he does. So oh, Anakin does, Anakin does it wrong and he does it right. It almost seems like a similar approach, but like, you're like, she gave her entire life force to become her son. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. It's so cool. Yeah. It was. And it was really interesting. Cause you know, he grows up hearing about this war and all this stuff that she did. And then he finds out more messed up stuff that she did. And, oh, man. and he has to kind of deal with that with, he's being raised by three other gems, uh, Amethyst, Pearl, and Garnet. Okay. And now, now it sounds like you're just talking about Pokemon games. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Pokemon Amethyst, Pokemon Pearl. Well, Pokemon Pearl was, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so um, Steven Universe Diamond, anyway. Uh, <laughs> shining, shining Diamond. Shining Steven. Um, Pokemon Shining Steven, that's the... That's the episode we're in. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he's raised by them. No. And it's, You're out. we're having a cat fight behind us right now. You are out. It happens. Yeah, here, give, give me one moment. You are out of here, girl. You are bad. You are bad. <laughs> I love you, Jeremy. I love you, Holly. <laughs> You're out of here, baby boy. Lana, go. You need to leave. You're out of here. <laughs> He was like stuck in the hallway. Oh, um, was Lana being a bully? Yeah, she's such a bully. Like she's so like dominating. Like she's like, this is my house. No one else is allowed in it. Oh no. Yeah, I, I think she, she's the only girl, so she has to like really prove her self worth and like make sure no one does anything to her. So that's fair. Yeah. Oh, Pika just went under the bed. His tail got super fluffy. Oh. Yeah. So welcome to Cat Journeys with Jeremy and Chris. Yeah. It's our new podcast. It's true. Every we podcast can... I invent, every podcast episode, I invent a sub podcast within that episode. That's actually a great one for this because <laughs> in the show, Steven has a lion. Oh, and that's uh, amazing. And there are several times when he turns his fingers into cats. That's really cool. Because shapeshifting is a gem ability because, you know, they're hard light. Yeah, so, I just did, like that's so cool. And then uh, his favorite like snack is a cookie cat, which is just an ice cream sandwich in the shape of a cat head. Ooh, I love <laughs> it. This this makes me absolutely love the show. <laughs> it's beautiful. And in the first episode, there's a rap about it, and it's just <sighs> it's everything. Chef's kiss, as they yes. say nowadays. It is a chef's kiss, absolutely. Yeah. So I don't uh, know if you oh, go. Go ahead. Good. Ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna, I didn't know if you wanted to go through your notes like one by one since you have it broken down. I know I've been jumping around a little bit like um like sure. I think I talked a little bit about some of the later stuff, but uh the first thing you have is cool kids. Yeah, I took a bunch of notes that ended up being like a novel because there's so <laughs> yeah. much to talk about with this show. Um so I just went in alphabetical order by topic. So the first thing I talked about was the cool kids because this show talks about a lot of different stuff that has a lot of bearing on real life and is in my opinion really important for kids to see represented in media 
Because mm-hmm. a lot of the time when you see like the cool kids in a show, they're, you know, the bad kids who are, you know, having parties and drinking and all that stuff. But yeah. in this, um, like in the second episode of Stranger Things. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> exactly like that. Um, but in this show, there's uh, there's this one kid, Lars, who is not one of the cool kids. He's He works at a donut shop with a girl named Sadie. Um, and Lars is kind of your typical angsty, mean teenager who just lashes out at everyone. Yeah but it also shows that he's got very low self-esteem. Um, and so he wants nothing more than to be accepted by the cool kids. Cause, um, cause they're just look at them and their confidence and how awesome they are and how f- much fun they have together. And he s- meets them and kind of tries to hang out with them, but he keeps saying weird stuff. That's not really what he thinks. And so they kind of, they kind of take a step back and they're like, what are you even doing right now? Cause what I love about this group of cool kids is they appreciate authenticity. That's their thing. They are weird. They are bizarre. They have really weird stuff going on in their lives and they, they love it. That's why they love Steven. Cause he's a little weirdo, but he is the most authentic of anyone. It's great. So being the most true to yourself makes you, the coolest you can possibly be exactly so when Lars is being like oh yeah whatever you just said is the is the greatest that's how I feel too they're like is it though Mm. it Um, it reminds me when I when I was a kid I had a like a stepbrother for a little bit and he was like super cool and he's like sneak out at night like uh he 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 made all his sheets into a rope and like snuck out the window of the second classic yeah Definitely, like, put a hole in the in the side of the house from, like, his foot, like, when he was coming down. Uh, I remember my friend who was named, his name is David Thomas Lynch. So you can either say, like, make David Lynch jokes or you can make Dave Thomas jokes. Uh, and then there's two Dave Thomases you can pull from, from SCTV or from Wendy's. Uh, but, yeah, David Lynch and I, uh, um, David came over one day and my mom was like, listen, um, I don't want you, I don't want your stepbrother to bully your friend just because he's not the same type of cool that your friend is. And like, that's always stuck with me. Like how my mom phrased that. I just thought that was like really cool. Cause like David was like a total nerdy kid. Like, you know, we both loved like Donkey Kong and like, we were the first kids to like, um, uh, to like know what Pokemon was because we got the VHS tapes from Nintendo power. I remember he got a VHS tape and he didn't even get Nintendo power. So I don't even know how he got one. <laughs> it was He was chosen. Yeah. He's just the chosen one. And uh, so, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Like that idea of there being like different types of being cool. Cause like, I think as a kid, you think there's one way of being cool and that's like being a badass and being like against the rules, but it's not necessarily true. I think to a degree it's being like we're saying is your truest self. Exactly. Yeah. Like when you're a kid, you think, the only kind of popular is like the mean girls popular, but then you kind of ask yourself, why are they popular? Yeah. Like, and so what I like about this show is it really shows why they're popular because they're just legitimately cool and accepting people. Mm-hmm. Um, they like Steven's 14, but he looks like he's 12. Um, <laughs> and these kids are obviously older, but they just, 
immediately vibe with him because he is just unapologetically and unrelentingly himself. Um, and they just all kind of support each other's weirdness. You know, one of them's a small time DJ who just throws glow sticks everywhere. And <laughs> one of them's the son of the mayor and he's got to deal with all that stuff. Um, one of them is a twin who works at a pizza shop for her family. And it's like, they've all got their own stuff going on, but they, and they aren't, what I like about them is they aren't people who come from a place that would typically be like the cool or popular kid. Like they're not particularly rich. They're yeah. not like generational anything. They're just cool kids. Um, and it's great. Yeah. And they really just, the only thing I ever see them talk down to in the show is inauthenticity. Just whenever the only time they've ever been negative is when Lars is being negative and posing and not being himself. Being a tool. Yeah, pretty much. As we used to say. Yup. Yeah, um, I, mean, I think that's so powerful and so important for kids today is to, you know, have that restructure of, of what makes someone cool. And yeah. it's, like, it's being authentic. It's not being like everyone else. That's literally the exact opposite of what being cool is. Exactly. So I love that in this, they're just like, be authentic, be yourself. And when you let go and just exist, you're going to find the right people. Yeah. So I love that. Um, So that's something I think important for kids to see. Uh, Another thing that's really explored that, of course, comes next is family structures is something that I don't see often in a lot of media. I mean, you see like the nuclear family, but aside from that. Yeah, it's been the nuclear family for 70, 80 years on TV and in film. And finally, in like the last, I mean, has it been 10 years, nine years? Like like that. Yeah. I mean, really since gay marriage has been legalized in the United States since 2012. Um, I think there's been, and I mean, it's that is part of it, but I also think a major aspect is the internet and you have these hubs now that people that used to be marginalized and that they used to not be, you know, the most, um, uh, the majority, they aren't the vocal majority. So um, now, because you have something like Netflix and Disney plus that can kind of curate content for not just the mid, not just the Midwest, like white people, they're Mm -hmm. able to, they're able to really create content for anybody because they want everyone to buy their app. So it's, it's less now, Oh, what is the most popular thing? That's the only thing we can do. I think a lot of back, I think I always think about back in the nineties, there was this like major Hollywood producer that said like, Will Smith could never carry like a huge movie. And it's like, because he's black and it's like, dude, like he's fucking Will Smith. Like, yeah. Like what, how, like how wrong was that guy? And I don't think he realized that he was being racist there. He was just thinking of the money, but he was being very, very racist. And just assuming that like a black guy can't carry uh, like the lead of a film. Yeah. And like people wouldn't see it. Like, of course people would see it. Yeah. And I think that we're, um, we're finally breaking down the barriers of that um, in Hollywood to a degree. I think there's still a lot more work we need to be done. Um, Like, you know, I notice a lot of times when you have a black lead in animated film, they'll turn them into like a pigeon, like in spies in disguise, or they'll turn them into like a soul, like in soul. 
or even like a or frog. A frog, yeah, exactly. So um, even cyborg, you know, it's just not it's not his whole black body. There's just pieces of it, and it's like Hollywood is afraid of black because they think it's going to make them less money when it's that's the furthest from the truth but like people being racist without realizing it and thinking that it's just for like uh economic reasons <laughs> yep it's it's so dumb yeah but even to expand on that just the the idea of like this this nuclear structured family and finally we're breaking that down because like i think a lot of um of like our parents or like the generation that was above us they um they watched Mad Men. And I think the reason why they all fell in love with Mad Men, because every single person in that generation was like, oh, this is really what my dad was up to, like the, like the entire time when I was a kid. And like uh, that character um, that um, John Hamm played definitely represented uh, like that man of the 60s. Yeah, and it's important to, I mean, representation matters. That's really what it is. Yeah. So, and it's not, one, it's not a woke thing. It's just like, it's honestly, it's just boring if you're going to have the same nuclear structured family and everything. Like it's more interesting if you do different things with the with characters. Yeah. And I love seeing it all. Um, and in this one, they just have so many types of family structures that everyone's bound to find something that vibes with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Steven is raised by three women. All the gems are women. Um, That's cool. Uh, his dad is in the picture, but he's also, he lives in a van and works at a car wash. Like he's not a fit father. So it seems very typical too, to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. He's this kind of like the the idea of the absent father, (laughs) but he's also like very present in his life. He he lives in town. He goes to the temple where Steven lives and just kind of like, he makes sure that he's present. He's just, he also understands that Steven is half gem and his dad, Greg has no idea what to do with that. Yeah. So, uh, so the gems raise him because they know what to do. Yeah. Did they ever do a gems and the holograms like crossover event? <laughs> I don't no. know. Who, I think Sony owns gem and the Holograms, so they wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, no, but they, I think they might've made a reference to it maybe mm. because there was an episode where, uh, where they find a time turner thing, like time, I forgot what it's called. It's a time piece that makes you go back in time. Yeah. Um, and Steven finds it and he goes back in time to stop himself from doing something stupid. And then he realizes that went wrong. And then he goes back again and he's like, wait a second, there are so many of us. Let's start a band. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I think the episode is called Steven and the Stevens. Because that's, that's amazing. <laughs> and so it's just four Stevens in a band. it was was so great i love it it was so good um but yeah going back to the family too i i realized later that even though this family is also very different uh for stevens they also deal with things a lot of people are dealing with um his dad you find out later has a brother um who comes into the picture and he is very xenophobic very right-wing and you know, for his, oh no, actually it wasn't his brother, it was his cousin. But anyway, for who he essentially calls his nephew living with three gems from outer space, a xenophobe just goes crazy. So he hates all of it. They're living, they're a couple that are living in a barn that he used to work in like 
decades ago and he's all mad about it oh wow so he's a he's a gemophobe he's a gemophobe that's what he is i love it um but they kind of work it out with him and they approach it with love they're just like we're here we're not here to hurt anyone you're not using this and when they go low we go high so shower them with love not hate exactly um so that's a really cool dynamic that they kind of introduce um then again there's just all kinds of families out there there's uh there's a kid named onion who we don't even know what his deal is he's just nuts um (laughs) but his dad is a fisherman and he's always out at sea but he comes back every once in a while his mom is like a friend of greg and amethyst and he has a brother who i think is actually a half brother named sour cream nice onion and sour cream yep of course (laughs) and because sour cream is the older brother it is absolutely sour cream and onion Um, okay (laughs) yeah makes a lot more sense yep so yeah you see this kind of new family structure extended family with like a a new dad uh the old dad comes in the picture at some point uh it's the two brothers that may or may not be full brothers but they just kind of that doesn't matter to them yeah that's cool um and onion just he's not supervised most of the time so he just thrives in chaos (laughs) um and then uh there's the cool kid who's um his dad is the mayor. Buck Dewey is the kid. And Mayor he, Dewey. Yeah, Mayor Dewey. <laughs> He's got a big like truck with a with his head on top. It's just a big like sculpture of his head on top. And then nice. it's got like a siren that's like Mayor Dewey. It's great. <laughs> I'd so like dumb. expect like ice cream from it or something. Exactly. It's exactly <laughs> that kind of truck. Nice. It looks like it should be an ice cream truck. <laughs> yeah. Or a mail truck or something. It'd just be like every episode. Like, I don't have any ice cream, kids. Go away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe that's why he put Mayor Dewey as the sound. Because it's like, oh, okay, it's Mayor Dewey. We don't have to care anymore. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, of course, Dad being the mayor, obsessed with his work, obsessed with getting reelected when he's never even had any challengers, it's going to have a toll in the sun. So yeah. he deals with that. And you don't ever hear about his mom, so maybe she's not in the picture. Um. The, uh, the girl at the donut shop, Sadie, she's raised by just her mom. Um, nice. They've got their issues. I think I've I I was raised in a variation of all of these different like family structures. <laughs> my mom remarried so many times. So my mom was with a woman for a while. So I was raised by two women for like four or five years. Oh, I remember hearing that. Uh, I, th- I think when I met your mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I just had, and then, you know, I had like a stepbrother for a while. So I just had these different family structures growing up. And my mom was single for a while. So just me and her. So uh, yeah. So you kind of, you can see a lot of your life in a lot of these structures, which is really cool. Yeah. It's neat. Yeah. Uh, my um, mom was never mayor though. Uh, not yet. Anyway. Not yet. Yeah. Give her time. Yeah. She does uh-huh. live in a small town. It's, it's, it could, I guess it could be very possible. She just got put signs everywhere. And she can like, do it. The 30 people will vote for her. They'd be like, she's running, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Lisa, let's go. Let's go do it. Yeah. Let's, let's it. go for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and I'm sure, you know, when she was single doing her own thing, you probably had your own issues you had to work out with her because everyone does. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so you see that a lot with Sadie too, where her mom kind of just tr- 
railroads anything she wants to do. And also like this idea that you're saying of like the parents kind of tell you that life is like this way. And mm-hmm. then maybe it's just because like the world moves on or maybe what they're saying was not as factual as you, you thought it was because you just inherently trust your parents. Yeah. And, and so uh, like when you get older, you're like, oh, it's really this way instead. But again, it also might be like generationally the world has moved on from how it was described to you as a kid. So I remember, Absolutely. I remember thinking like I'm, I was going to have to get like, I don't know, like there's certain things I always thought I would have to do as when I was an adult. Well, like I used to think as a kid, as an adult, I'm going to have to do this. And then when I got to adulthood, I'm like, oh, I can keep my hair long and have a beard when I work. I think that might be more like a structural change in uh, society. But yeah. Uh, yeah, different things like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't have to wear a watch every day. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's and that's part of the struggle of growing up is you have to take what your parents know and apply it to the world as it is when the world has changed so rapidly. Yeah. So it's interesting. And a lot of people just don't know what to do. Um, Lars is one of those. He's got two loving parents. They just want the best for him, but he's, he's just got these big gauges in his ears and, uh, and he works at the donut shop. He doesn't really have any ideas of what he wants to do. He's just bitter. Oh, man yeah it, it's like and i mean you you see him and you're like wow what a tool but then you also kind of get it like you know they they think things are so simple but things have changed so yeah. he's probably just overwhelmed with the world as it is yeah i'd be overwhelmed if i worked at like retail at a donut shop i don't know if donut shop is technically retail i, I guess it is right it's clerk clerking yeah essentially yeah. It's just him and Sadie. Like nobody else works there. Uh, yeah. I, I remember being driven insane working retail after, you know, after a couple of years, it's just like, why am I in this building? I need to get out. Like, it's just like, it's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Now imagine just doing that when it's just you and one other person. That's ridiculous. And then you can't eat the donuts. Oh my gosh. Oh, he all definitely this, sneaks donuts. Yeah. It's all this temptation around. <laughs> yeah. I can't say I'd. I'd go all that time without any donuts either. Yeah, I totally like I like if I were making them, I'd just make extra for myself. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Like, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's just it's cool to see all the different family structures. And I also love that not everyone is white. Um, you find out later that um at least part of Lars's family is Filipino. Um that's cool. Yeah, he makes uh he makes an ube cake. At Ooh, one point, and it's, delicious. And it's like that's not something you expect in a kids' show. Yeah, but he just makes it, and then everyone is like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" Yeah, definitely. Um, Hol- one of Holly's favorite things, ube. I could see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, then there's uh, there's another non-white family uh, that runs a pizza shop called Fish Stew Pizza, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just got all kinds of stuff. It's got a grandma, a dad, and twin girls under the same roof working the business nice i was thinking Um, i I was watching teen titans the other day teen titans go i didn't know that the original series ran for six seasons which i was i was was looking at that i was like wow uh no wonder why people were upset um Yeah. yeah i was thinking of like you know robin is obviously white but then everyone else 
I like, I mean, obviously Beast Boy's green, but I believe in the Titans live action show, he's uh, of Asian descent. I think he is, yeah. And then um, obviously of Cyborg. And then you have um, like the two others, uh, Starfire, who's like orange. And again, she's she's played uh, by someone who's black on the live action show. Mm-hmm. And then but you she's also an alien. She's Tamaranian. Yeah. And then you have um, uh, Raven, who is like she's not really like she's like literally white, like she's like like pale, like and I guess. Yeah. I don't know who her her father is like some type of devil creature. Yeah, her her dad is Trigon, which is just this big demon creature. So yeah. like she could be anything, really. Yeah, yeah. I just I just thought that was really interesting. I like noticed it the other day. I was like, oh, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. I love when we expand on the types of people here. Um, yeah. There's also, uh, I believe, an Indian family. Um, Stephen's best friend Connie is um she lives with her mom and dad her mom is a doctor her dad is a policeman so i love that her mom is the breadwinner yeah um and well i guess her dad's more of a security guard but you know close enough um (laughs) and what i love is they give their last name and it's you know not a white last name uh it's maheshwaran and oh wow and nobody questions it. They're just like, okay, yeah, that's Dr. Maheshwarn and yeah. Mr. Maheshwarn. And there's Connie Maheshwarn. It's fine. Like, it's a name. So I love that they're just like, yeah, that's, we're not going to whine about it because that's what they're called. It reminds, like, reminds me to like, I was watching something and, um, or was it, I think it was Friends and they're talking about naming the the baby Emma, like, and it ends up being named Emma. But, um, mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we can't name her this name because kids will make fun of her like this. And then and then they try something else. And Joey was like, nope, they're going to say this about her. And I, I feel like that used to be such a big deal of like, we can't we're going to have to name our kids some generic biblical name because uh, because they're going to get made fun of. But like, I feel like nowadays I'm noticing in, in working with kids, like all these kids have like really cool different names. Like I've, I met a kid the other day named Legend. And then his nickname is Lego. And I was like, well, that's the coolest thing. Like, no, it's amazing. Yeah. If someone makes fun of you, like, who cares? Like, that's so cool that your name is that. If someone makes fun of you, they're wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're dead wrong. Uh, and uh, yeah. And just like, I remember for a while, like every single girl or every single just kid was named like Madison for like three years. <laughs> just like Madison and Rebecca. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I just like that um, parents are branching out more with their name, with names of their kids. And they're not afraid of bullies. Like, yeah. like, it's so stupid to me thinking like you're like in your 30s naming your kid and you're afraid of like future bullies. Like what? Yeah. Like, like name your kids something that will be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. In the first 10 years, they might get bullied a little bit. But then after that, then they're just going to have some generic name that just sounds like everyone else's name. And Exactly. And they're going to so, have a Dodger with the same name as them. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's fine. <laughs> I, I like that, though. I mean, there are, <laughs> there are worse people that could have your name. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I, I have a friend named Jamie King who's a writer. And then there's the actress Jamie King as well. Of course. Yeah. And I remember um, my friend, um, well, they, they both worked on Jessica Jones, uh, Jamie King, and uh, my other friend, Alex Wilson, who's been on this podcast. And um, uh, they were, were 
explaining to me, Alex was explaining to me how the create the showrunner of the show is named Melissa Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure that's her name. And the only reason why um, they like people picked up her script and started reading it was because Melissa Rosenberg is actually also the name of Joan Rivers daughter. That's like her real last name. Maybe it's her married last name. So people were reading her script, expecting it to be Joan Rivers' daughter's script. And it's just some other person. But then she got to show run like a Marvel Netflix series that ran for two seasons. So it's like pretty cool. I mean, she got the attention and then her work spoke for itself. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. She got in there. Love that. Yeah. Anyway, back back to cool names like Sadie and Onion. (laughs) (laughs) God, so good. Um, so yeah, that's kind of just what the family structures were like. It was just very different and it was kind of cool to see them interact with each other. Like Connie's family is a little closer to nuclear because mm-hmm. the mom, the dad and her. Yeah. Um, and so they want to meet Steven's family and, you know, a boy is being raised by three aliens from outer space and his dad who lives in his van. So yeah. Uh, so it was interesting that they kind of had a bit of, uh, they had a bit of anxiety about it. They were just like, I don't know. Steve was like, I don't know which of you I should present as my mom. Cause you're kind of all my mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they ended up, uh, fusing. Cause that's a thing in the show where, uh, gems can like do a little dance and make contact. And then they fuse together into a bigger gem. Um, can you create so they, a bigger hard light hologram then? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And it's just like a different thing. So there are a whole bunch of different ones and you see all these cool combinations. Um, so those three fused together and got gigantic and had like two mouths and six <laughs> eyes and like breathes <laughs> fire. And it's like, and they were just like, we all love Steven. So we all want to be there for him yeah so uh so that fusion is alexandrite and nice that's a great name it's so good and so they go to this dinner where it's steven and his dad and this tall as a mountain (laughs) gem yeah and his dad is like yes this is absolutely my wife alexandrite i wonder if geologists love this show (laughs) <laughs> I imagine they do because it probably gets a lot of people interested in geology because I've definitely <laughs> yeah. like gone to st- doors before that have stones and stuff and I have picked out just one of each of the crystal gems <laughs> and I'm just like here's amethyst here's garnet here's peridot oh it's peridot okay because um, in the show her name is peridot but the actual stone is peridot uh, yeah the, like silent tea at the end yeah Nice. Here's some lapis lazuli, and it's like these are all characters. So funny like, how yes. much you know all of them now. Yeah, yeah, and like I know their colors because that's what the color of the character. It's funny. I always wanted to write uh, a movie about a geologist um, who, like, uh, you know, he's geologying, and like his wife leaves him, and like you know, he has to completely like uh, find a new life and call the movie Rock Bottom. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Which oh. I feel like that, like I feel like if the uh, Steven Universe episodes have titles, that should be the name of one of the episodes. It I should be. I don't think it was, but that should have been. 
Yeah. Steven absolutely is all about puns. Yeah, it's great. I love it. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, actually going back to fusion, that's another thing that I thought was a really interesting concept because it's treated in really different ways in the show from uh, based on who you're talking to. Cause like, if you talk to the gems from Homeworld, they're like, yeah, uh, same types of gems have to fuse together to get bigger versions of themselves. And then they have a purpose and they're done and that's it. But uh, Garnet, spoiler alert, is a fusion herself. Oh. Of She's a fusion of two different gems, um, Ruby and Sapphire. Nice. And Also Pokemon games. <laughs> yep. So Pokemon Garnet comes together. And, <laughs> um, Just smash the two cartridges together to form Garnet. And then you get Garnet, and it's yeah. great. And we love Garnet. She's played by Estelle. Um, so nice. uh, another cool thing about the, the fusions is most of them are played by singers. That's cool. Yeah. That's really neat. Like, um, there's, there's one that's Garnet and Amethyst and it is Sugalite and Sugalite is just absolutely crazy. Just ridiculous, unbridled chaos and is played by Nicki Minaj. <laughs> that's that's amazing can, i like i wonder in in real life irl can you com- i mean like not you but like is there like a process in the earth that like fuses different like gems together to form different gems you know what i mean like yeah i wonder like do those two gems actually like in in earth like when they get like smushed together after thousands and thousands of years form a different type of gem i don't know that'd be interesting to look into yeah now we need geologists yeah God, gosh darn it we need gosh damn it where's <laughs> my geologist friends where, where are all the them. geologists <laughs> yeah. we need them this is your time oh my gosh i have no geologist friends what am i doing with my life <laughs> <I'm> a failure <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah it's uh the fusion thing is cool because with garnet it's a fusion of love like they are together because they are absolutely head over heels in love with each other. It's, it sounds like the Force Dyad with again Ben and Ray, like uh, in yeah. Star Wars. It's like they, that's kind of like the Force, like fusing their um the their paths, their future paths together. Like there, there's the the red string of fate they talk about, mm-hmm. um, which was heavily emphasized throughout making the sequel trilogy and and how um their red strings are intertwined, and that's and- the dyad. And they weren't able to really do it until they opened up to each other, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is the same here, where the fusions will actually fall apart if there's uh, discord within the minds of the gems that are in it. That's cool. So, like, if Ruby and Sapphire are fighting over something, Garnet will fall apart. Makes sense. That's such such a neat, heady concept. I love it so much. It's so cool, and it's seen in so many different ways and played with and a lot of different uh, and a lot of different methods. And it's really cool because you see healthy fusions and unhealthy fusions. Like um, there's, there's a gem named Jasper who's uh, from Homeworld, absolutely just a violent uh, warrior, mm-hmm. just wants to fight, wants to beat people up and destroy the earth and kill Steven and like all this just violent horrible stuff gets just destroyed in battle by Garnet and is like 
oh, well, if I had a fusion, then I don't know. Um, and so there's another one, Lapis Lazuli, who is just scared. She's basically in, an embodiment of depression and mm-hmm. anxiety. And she is cooperating because she's bullied into it. Okay. But she hates Jasper and she hates what the diamonds are doing and everything. So uh, Jasper makes Lapis fuse and they fuse into Malachite, who is horrible. But also it's interesting because it's a fusion made based on hatred. Mm, and spite. The, the term Malachite's really cool too. I mean, yeah. Like Very there's a lot you can evil. do with that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because you have to think where does the intimacy and the fusion come from that they can stay together? And the intimacy comes from their vulnerability of losing control of their own respective lives mm. and a deeper wow. desire to be in charge of the situation. So they stay together so long because Jasper feels like she's losing control of everything. And Lapis feels like she's already lost control. And she's just going to be in trouble no matter what she does. So they are both grasping at control, which makes them horribly toxic and inherently self-sabotaging. So uh, Lapis has the ability to control water. So when they're in Malachite, Jasper in control of Malachite is like, yeah, we're going to destroy you, blah, blah, blah. And chains come up out of the ocean and wrap around Malachite. So, um, wow. So Malachite is almost always in literal chains of her own making because it is a toxic relationship that is doomed to fail. Um, it's so fascinating. Um, and it's really cool how they're able to take these, um, just these emotional um, things that we all deal with and they're able to like personify them in these really fascinating and interesting ways through fusion and through all these different all this different stuff exactly and at times you think oh they're just being clever they're gonna just kind of uh let it go now but later after the fusion is over uh and they're back to being themselves lapis and jasper jasper finds them again and comes back to lapis and is like fuse with me again we were so powerful we could do everything together and Lapis straight up says, I was terrible to you. I like taking everything out on you. I needed to. I hated you. Wow. And then Jasper's like, but we can be different. We'll do it. We'll be fine. And then the direct quote after that is, what we had wasn't healthy. I never want to feel like I felt with you. Never again. Oh, wow. And it's like, they did not even dance around that this was a toxic relationship. That's just, mm-hmm. they knew what it was and they went for it. Yeah, and the, the, I think it's so powerful to expose toxicity uh, nowadays, for sure, especially, and 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 just in relationships, and that's really powerful and really cool. Exactly, and you see different relationship structures through fusion as well. Um, like Ruby and Sapphire are just the ultimate one because Garnet is a very healthy relationship. They talk things out, they understand each other, they support their differences and things like that, and. Uh, later in, I want to say season four or five, it might even be five. Um, they're on Homeworld, and there are these off-color gems that are just kind of trashed because they they don't serve their purpose. Mm-hmm. And there's a big fusion there of six different gems, and she's like Garnet, just always in her fusion form. Wow! And it's really cool because 
uh, Stephen and Lars find them. And they're like, how many of you are there? And she says, there are six, but maybe more if we find the right gem. So it's really interesting because this not only opens up lesbian relationships, but it also opens up polyamorous relationships. That's fascinating. And right now on Gossip Girl, because every everything goes back to Gossip Girl somehow. Uh, <laughs> okay. On HBO Max, so we're we're kind of in the same um, in the same realm on the Warner Brothers realm. Uh, on Gossip Girl, there's a there's a polyamorous relationship right now. There's a there's a threesome that's happening. So there's these two people who hooked up with this one guy. And then, and then, so it's a guy and a girl who that have been in relationships since the beginning of the series, the, the newer series. And then they hook up with this one guy, um, Max. I think his name is Max Wolf on the show. And then um, Great. he's he's trying to he's trying to go to all these other relationships and do all these these other things, and he's just miserable. And then um, he realizes he's in love with both of them. Like he's in love with the three of them being like all together, like simultaneously. And by the end of the, I guess, by the end of like the second half of the first season, I guess, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how the season structure is going. They're just called part two. Um, <laughs> like he, he, be, they all three of them become part of this polyamorous relationship. And it's like really the first one on American TV. And, and sometimes that's the healthiest structure for people. Like if yeah. that's the healthiest way that you can do it, then absolutely just approach it in a healthy and communicative way. And that's great. Yeah, and to even to even dive further into the Warner Brothers realm of it all, uh, William Moulton Marston, who created Wonder Woman, was in a polyamorous relationship, and he based Wonder Woman off of like the three women that he lived with and was in love with. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and he also created the lie detector. So if you think of uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman's lasso of truth, is a lie detector. That's really interesting. That's really- I love that. Yeah, there's a there's a book that I read, and I think they finally made it into a documentary, like the man behind Wonder Woman or something like that, or the oh, women. I heard about that. Yeah, behind Wonder Woman. Yeah, uh, it's fascinating. It's so cool, and you know they were in this relationship a hundred years before Gossip Girl <laughs> made so it cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Yeah. Also, the um, the show and book Brave New World, um, not part of the Warner Brothers uh, realm. Um, so I'm getting off the beaten path a little bit, but it was on NBC. Uh, it was on Peacock. Um, so it was, it was, it was all that company. Um, but, you know, they, they adapted Brave New World, Grit Morrison adapted it. And it's fascinating. It's such a good show, but it's basically, uh, you know, it's a, it's a future where everyone lives in like a, like this huge um, like tower, like it's like a tower, uh, like city, a city and a tower in London and everyone, everything is polyamory and there's actually no couple relationships and everyone takes little pills and that's how you eat. And the pills also help you like keep suppress like your, your want and need to be with just one person. Interesting. And, and so they go to these giant orgy parties and it's just like a giant, like disco orgy <laughs> happening. And sure. And then they go to they go to America to see what life used to be like. And like you see like um, like a shotgun or you see like this wedding taking place. And they're like, yeah, this is what people used to do. Like they used to like couple up and get married and like they still do it here. The savages still do it here in America. And then one of the savages who's the new Han Solo, Alden Elderick, Elderick, he he makes his way to the tower in London and 
and then you start finding out stuff about him. It's just really cool. Um, but that that show is all about polyamory as well. And like that's like they're almost emphasizing like polyamory is kind of the default in humanity, while the idea of mar- a married kind of structure is forced onto us, which is like what they're like. That's an idea that they're presenting, but also they could literally be presenting the exact opposite on that show too. Like they could be presenting. Yeah. Cause like, they're taking pills. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, I don't know. It's just like really fascinating. That, that show it's just so well done too. That's really interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. That's cool. Um, yeah. I just love how much different stuff is shown through these shows in just so such except um such exceptional ways really and yeah. accessible ways to everyone yeah um, and just in like using like the, the human mind's creativity to, to like come up with fascinating ways to like uh to showcase these emotions and these ideas exactly and my favorite thing is just when it is so accessible that they can, that they make it so children can understand. And that's why I love this show so much. Cause they deal with hard things. There's a whole thing about grief too. Cause, um, because Steven, obviously his mom isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. So his, his dad misses her, but loves him. And Pearl was head over heels in love with Rose. Mm-hmm. So those two kind of have tension between them and they have to work that out at some point. Um, And it shows kind of how they deal with their grief in different ways. Pearl dives into controlling things, which is interesting because pearls in this universe are made to be servants for other gems. Okay. So she now has this compulsive need to control everything. Yeah, like the the house elves in Harry Potter. Very much like that, yeah. Um, and Greg has trouble getting close to the gems because he feels like it's his fault. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she gave up her physical form to have his son. Um, Stephen has his own grief and trauma and he closes himself off when he does that because he's always the one fixing things. So he yeah. feels like he can't ask people for help because he's always, he has to be the one helping them. Mm-hmm. So he closes himself off until he finds a healthier way to handle the traumatic situations he's in. And in Steven universe future, you kind of see what happens when he can't open up to people about it. And it's, it's a 20 episode season about his trauma wow and him dealing with it yeah and it's it's cool because you see people dealing with their trauma and their grief in healthy and unhealthy ways throughout the whole show and how their unhealthy ways don't work for them and so they have to figure something else out Mm -hmm. so like at some point pearl and greg make up and then they're okay uh because they realize they can kind of help each other navigate their grief because they're feeling the same grief yeah over the same person so it's it's nice that they can kind of be friends about it yeah um there's also a lot about listening um people lash out in the show when they don't feel like they're being listened to uh 
And also sometimes the problems can't be fixed by just telling people what to do. And I feel like that's an issue a lot of people have is when someone tells you their problems, you kind of just want to be like, oh, you should obviously do this. And if you don't do that, you're wrong. But life's not that black and white sometimes. Exactly. So, and they show that in this too, where sometimes you just need someone to listen. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a guy who kind of owns a lot of stuff and has done a lot of jobs named Mr. Smiley. Um, And one of his past jobs was a comedian in a duo with a guy named Mr. Frowny. Okay. Um, Mr. Frowny is sad all the time. And when they were in a comedic duo, um, Mr. Smiley's reaction was, oh, he's just being like this for the comedy. And then when he found out he wasn't, he was like, well, let me fix it then. And Mr. Frowny really just wanted to be heard. Yeah. Um, So uh, Stephen sees possibilities where people try to cheer him up, but nothing works. Nothing at all. Um, Because he doesn't want to be cheered up. He just wants to be heard and people to understand what he's feeling. Uh, The only thing that ends up working for him is when Mr. Smiley, his old partner, listens to his problems and he just gives them some closure on an important time in their life. And that yeah. that's what works. And it's like, this is a kid's show. This is amazing. <laughs> Where it's like, look at these adults who have had so much trouble with this issue, working it out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it runs deep. It runs really, really deep. It's cool. It does. And they go into like meditation and mindfulness too. Um, and that's done through fusion as well. Stephen and Connie, uh, another spoiler, they fuse. It's the first time that a human has ever fused. Oh, wow. Um, because Stephen's half human, he is able to do that with nice. either humans or gems. Um, so uh, they have a fusion they just call Stevani. And <laughs> Uh, another cool thing about Stevani is Stevani is very clearly non-binary. Mm-hmm. Um, someone asks, like, someone mentions something about gender, and they're like, "Are you a boy or a girl?" And Stevani is like, "I'm an experience." That's <laughs> amazing. Like, that's so cool. I think, you're, I think you were saying earlier too. That's like th- this is before like we really started to like un- like as a culture understand um, like like pronouns and and things like that. Like we didn't have the words for it yet. Exactly. That episode was released in 2015. Wow. Yeah. So we didn't have the words at all for any of this yet. Now we do, which is great, but it's cool. They're dealing with this already. Yeah. And they kind of show that attraction is also not black and white. Like Mm -hmm. uh, Sadie, who is the girl who works at the donut shop with Lars, she's always been into Lars. Mm -hmm. But then Stevani comes around and she's like, wait a second. And Mm -hmm. Sadie and Lars are both attracted to Stevani. (laughs) Um, And it shows that she's not specifically straight. And then in the future uh, season, Sadie has a partner who is presented as a partner, not boyfriend, not girlfriend, because the partner is non-binary. That's so cool. Uh, and the partner's name is Shep, and they use they, them pronouns. And everyone is just like, yeah, okay, done. Uh, sure. Um, so tangent about non-binary stuff, which was amazing. But... Um, when Stevani was together, Stephen and Connie were both going through some really hard stuff that they weren't talking about. Mm-hmm. So they were having trouble concentrating and they couldn't stay together as Stevani because they kept falling apart and their thoughts were kind of going into each other's heads. And they were like, I don't understand this. 
Um, so Garnet, as a almost permafusion, um, teaches them that balance is necessary and letting these persistent negative thoughts hold on to them, it's going to make it impossible to stay together. Mm -hmm. So she guides them through a mindful meditation um, with the extra bonus of having another person in there to help you through it. It's like there was a song called Here Comes a Thought and a part of it can be used as a mantra even when having trouble quieting the mind and can also give imagery when having trouble letting go of these thoughts because it shows them go through it together. And it's like, um, I'm bad with lyrics, but I think it's like, here comes a thought um, that might alarm me. Uh, what someone said and how it harmed me, something that I did that failed to be charming. Um, things that I said are suddenly swarming. Oh. And it's like, you you get this and you're like, yeah, I feel that in my bones. Yeah. And so it's like, um, so it's asking, is this how we fall apart? But it's not, but it's not. Um, it's okay. You've got nothing to fear. I'm here. And it's really nice because in these fusions, they're like, I have someone who cares about me. Yeah. And just this like person. the idea of talking to someone is like the idea of therapy. And like, once you get it out of you and you give, you give it to someone else, you can kind of move on from those thoughts. Yeah. And it's kind of, so that whole episode is this idea of like therapy is necessary and meditation is necessary. Yeah. And later actually in fusion, Stephen having all this trouble uh, talks about how he's got a therapist set up and he's going to talk to his therapist all the time. And it's like, they're not even beating around the bush at the end of it. They're just like, this is what I'm saying. This is what's happening. Get a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Cause we all need it really. The, like the, the world would be so different if everyone was like given a therapist. <laughs> Fully agree. It's such a better world out there. Yes. And uh, they deal with so much of that too with um, they talk about not specifically, but neurodivergence is a thing too. Mm -hmm. um, Cause there's so many types of people out there. Uh, the character onion and his friends are essentially nonverbal. None of them talk with words. It's fascinating. Cause I, I, I work with a lot of nonverbal non vocal kiddos and uh, like a lot of kids with a neurodivergence and on like uh, that have ASD autism mm -hmm. spectrum disorder. And it's really, fascinating because there's just uh there's just every kid is just so different and unique um in how they express their neurodivergence that it's like mm -hmm. i don't know they're all really fascinating interesting kids for sure yeah you're right and it's cool because in the show steven doesn't question it he's just like oh you don't talk so i need to figure out what you're saying through your other modes of communication and so he just does and it's not questioned it's just like these are kids who don't talk yeah that's fine. That's cool. Cause I think um, like there's the Pete, the cat books for like little kids now. And mm -hmm. uh, Pete barely talks in those books and they, they have a show for Amazon prime uh, animated show. And I think Pete, like, again, in the show, he may have like one line per every other episode, but he's basically like nonverbal, nonvocal throughout that show. And I think it's a really good character for kids uh, who are like that, that can like relate to like. A absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. it's cool because this show shows so many different types of neurodivergence too, because they've got that going on. Um, uh, Lapis Lazuli is very clearly riddled with depression and anxiety just mm -hmm. all the time. But 
the others love her anyway and they want her to be there um amethyst has an inferiority complex and some kind of survival's guilt uh because she came out of uh what they call the kindergarten where the gems are grown Mm -hmm. um they have some on earth and amethyst came out after the war was over so she is like i was supposed to be there and i don't know what i'm for anymore wow and so she's always feeling like she's not enough because she's shorter than most amethysts and uh and she came out late and she doesn't really know what she's supposed to do so she kind of is a goofball and just is like when she opens up she's like i don't feel like i'm enough and it's wild yeah um and what's beautiful is just Stephen loves everyone exactly as they are. He doesn't tell them to just buck up. He doesn't tell them to like, just do this and you'll be fine. And he learns to support them in ways that just make sense to them. And it's so beautiful to see a main character say, okay, you, the way to love you is different than the way to love other people. Yeah. And that's fine. Which shouldn't be really tough to quantify when you're with a specific person like that and then you have to kind of understand you know that everyone is is different and that everyone accepts love in different ways based off of their experiences or just how their like their neurodivergence is yeah absolutely so it's just such a cool concept that they don't even they don't call anyone neurodivergent they don't call anyone depressed or anxious or anything like that they just they, that's just how they are so it's cool because I feel like if they were labeled in the show then they might fall into the same trap as a lot of people do where they just kind of become their label and they don't people hate that mm-hmm. so it's cool that they're just like this is these are people this is how they function it's different that's it yeah it's so cool. Um, so I just, I love that this show approaches so many things in so many different ways. Um, especially because it's a show about war. Like that's what the show is. Yeah, it's war torn. Um, and it shows the horrors of both sides, uh, both how the, the diamonds did horrible damage. Um, they, uh, they got frustrated with Rose Quartz and her crystal gems and they unleashed this big thing that corrupted all gems on earth um and it was horrifying for the gems that couldn't recover even with healing magic because steven has healing magic nice but it doesn't work if the gems are corrupted because it's in their minds yeah um and there were also atrocities committed by rose quartz and her allies um there was one named bismuth who was a uh a blacksmith gem and she made something to shatter gems because if a gem poofs then they can just come back but if you shatter the gem itself they're dead so bismuth was like they're not gonna be cool with us they're not gonna play nice with us we have to shatter them wow and both steven and rose when that was presented to them at different times of course um they were just like, no, that's not who we are. So I, I love that the main characters are all about nonviolence in a 
in a show about war. That's really great. I mean, I think that's something that, um, I mean, again, we had like kind of like men running Hollywood for such a long time where, and I love these movies, but you know, you have like the James Bond films and you had every movie trying to be James Bond. So from Indiana Jones to Batman to like, I don't know, under siege, like the fugitive, like every movie is about like this cool dude that just like gets out of stuff. Like, you know, he's against everybody. Even the good guys are trying to get him, but he's the only one that like knows the truth, you know? And he has and, to beat him up and kill him and all that stuff. Yeah. 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 He has to be, yeah, it just has to beat up everybody. And I feel like we've finally gotten to a point where um, like nonviolence um, is just as interesting or fascinating as just sheer violence like pew 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 uh, like on screen and i think um yeah i think the last jedi did it really well with luke where you know you have him at the end choosing non-violence to Mm -hmm. um and and like you know you and that's like the true jedi way it's why he is the last jedi because he chooses non-violence um and, and instead of violence instead of attacking his nephew uh, which he's thought about in the past, but never actually has um, taken the action to do. Um, and uh, but he realizes just like the idea of even just thinking about causing violence created Kylo Ren. So he wants you know he, to reverse that as much as he can. So he chooses nonviolence. And then in the new Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, um, without getting too spoilery for it, it you know you have Peter. Uh, and Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange is like, well, we need to, we need to bring all these vil- villains back to their own separate universes. And Peter's like, well, they're all dead in their separate universes, so they're all going to be dead if we let them go. And Doctor Strange is like, I don't care, that was their fate. And then, and and you know, so it's this idea of Peter like going out of his way um, to save um, like the villains. I think is really fascinating. Um, that's something, yeah, that's something that historically Spider-Man has done a lot in the past, and he's turned a lot of villains into allies. And yeah, I mean, I, that's one thing I love about him. He's my favorite superhero because he does that kind of stuff. He turns, yeah. he turns them good with understanding. Yeah, and you realize, like, you look back on there's been eight Spider-Man films, so you look back on like the first like six. So we'll say like the three originals, the two Amazing, and then the first uh, like Homecoming. You know. Um, like you look at those and I, like does does he die in homecoming i'm trying to remember now um, i don't remember michael keaton um i th- oh, no he goes to jail he just goes to jail in that movie yes. but all the other villains i think die and you know at the end of um uh far from home uh you have this whole thing where they play with that idea of that the past peter parkers have like kind of let the bad guy uh die uh, maybe not intentionally, but um, they deal with that by having Peter kind of kind of let um, a Mysterio die. And then Mysterio like sends out that video or at least his lackey sends out that video. <laughs> yep. And uh, yeah. And that kind of sets up the idea of like, yeah, violence shouldn't be the answer a lot of times, but you know, superheroes choose violence when that might not necessarily be the best course of action. Exactly. And just because they're capable of it doesn't mean that they should do it. Um, And that's what I love about this because throughout the series, Steven gets progressively stronger and stronger. Like he trains and 
he gets disgustingly powerful, but he decides to rehabilitate and befriend his enemies. Yeah. Um, in season two, uh, Peridot uh, was adamantly against Steven and the gems and was trying to destroy them and stuff. And he finally shows her enough kindness for her to take him to a dangerous place where she says she'll, she'll show him some info, but only if they go alone because the crystal gems were like, we should poof her. We should take her down like that. She's, she's an enemy. She's too dangerous to be kept alive. Annie. Exactly. So Steven's like, that's not how I want to do this though. So um, instead of turning her into the gems, he his only condition in them going alone is they have to hold hands the whole time so she doesn't go anywhere Aww. and he's like i'm not gonna wrap you up in you know cords or anything i'm not gonna put you in handcuffs i just i want to make sure you're not going anywhere we're gonna hold hands and to make that deal with an enemy sounds almost unheard of but that's the president he sets and i just love it and then later uh peridot is also trying to trick a corrupted gem because she joins them. The she joins the crystal gems. Um and the whole episode is basically a wily e. coyote episode. Awesome. Um where I the love corrupt- that we're staying on brand. It's so good because uh the corrupted gem it just runs really fast. It's it's the roadrunner. It's <laughs> just, it's just what it is. Um and so Paradox becomes Wily e. Coyote trying to squish it and all this other stuff. And uh, she gets frustrated and says its actions don't make sense. Uh, So Steven throws things at her and yells at her and, um, and she eventually lashes out and like screams and just does some really irrational stuff. She like takes a bag of marshmallows and just like in her teeth. Uh, (laughs) She's like, rips at it and um and then he explains that's how this corrupted gem must feel all the time we're pursuing it and we're trying to do this stuff and yelling at it and trying to use violence so like you just did the same thing um and they ended up figuring it out more when they chose the less violent approach that's great um I do want to make a note though and say obviously this doesn't always work. There are people who just choose violence. And <laughs> yeah. um in there was an episode called Room for Ruby. There was another Ruby, not the one in Garnet, um, that was against them. And she came back and acted exactly like Steven would hope any gem might, you know, friendly. I love this about Earth. Let's be friends and do all this nice stuff. And I want to find a home here. Um but she's tricking him because she wants her ship back because they have a ship that she and the other rubies that were there had. And her entire point of doing this is to embarrass Steven and leave him behind. So it's good to give people a chance to be decent, but not everyone you meet is a good person. <laughs> so yeah, it's important to know when to draw that line. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Another thing I want to point out is people might think, you know, Stephen chooses nonviolence because he's not strong enough to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. 
But in future, there is actually an episode where he is lashing out because he's dealing with his trauma. Um, and when he lashes out, that that strong warrior Jasper, yeah, he keeps asking for a fight, and Stephen's like, "Nah, I don't want to do that. Nah, I don't want to do that." So eventually, he does it, and he trains under Jasper for like three days, and unleashes everything. He doesn't hold back anymore. And he legitimately shatters Jasper. Oh, wow. Like, like, because he can. And then he freaks out and he's like, oh, no, what have I done? And he finds a way to bring her back. But like, nice. But it shows Stephen has been showing restraint for the last however many years. Yeah. However many seasons. Yeah. So it's cool because you see he's not choosing nonviolence because he can't do anything else. He's choosing because he's strong enough to hold back. Yeah. Which and, is even more powerful because you know you have like you know yeah, like that's that's such an important message that even if you have all this power to like you know you don't need to use it. Yeah. Like the it's the whole Spider-Man thing with great power comes great responsibility. You need to know when to use it and when not to. Yeah, yeah. And I forgot what the show was, but there was another show where someone was like uh, when you have a lot of power, you need to know how much to show, when to show it, and when to use it. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't remember what the show was anymore, but it was That's another. Like the idea of like, am I the per like like if you go to say something, if you go to say something to someone, you're like, am I the person to say this to them? Is this exactly. the time? Is this the time to say this to them? Uh, you know, there's like a like there's a couple of questions you can ask yourself. Um, yeah. And they did that with Falcon and Winter Soldier when you had the all Captain America. Yeah. And, and um, you know, he has the, um, you find out that he has the super soldier serum inside of him. And then he goes after that one bad guy and kills him when that was like the one bad guy that was trying to get out of the bad guy uh, like team. Yeah. So uh, um, yeah, with great power comes great responsibility. Super important. Exactly. It's, yeah. it's just so cool how they just cover so many different aspects of life in this show. Um, and then the other side with love, they show how that can get toxic too if you get obsessed. Mm-hmm. Because Pearl is obsessed with Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, it causes her to make mistakes and be willing to sacrifice people. Yeah. Um, she gets Connie, who is human, to believe she's nothing when protecting Steven. Because Connie is like, I want to learn how to fight with swords so that I can help Stephen with things. Nice. And Pearl's like, okay, but you're nothing. You have to know that you're nothing. And if, um, and the advantage you'll have is if you live for someone else, then you aren't afraid to die. Okay. And, and so she gets Connie believing that. It sounds very Ben and Ray from Star Wars again. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's sad and unsettling because you see this is what Pearl believed when she was protecting Rose and her legacy. Mm-hmm. It shows that obsession with a person is dangerous and it's scary to lose yourself in a relationship or even the idea of a relationship because yeah. Rose is gone, but Pearl is still obsessed. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's horrifying. And then you see the different types of relationships too. You know, there's, Rose and Pearl, Greg and Rose, 
Lapis and Jasper, Ruby and Sapphire, we see a lot of different types of relationships and how healthy or unhealthy they can be depending on what they put into them. Um, we also see that no matter how perfect a relationship, they always require hard work. Even with Ruby and Sapphire, who we say are the perfect relationship in this show. But uh, there was an episode called The Question. Um, they find out essentially that they're the foundation of their relationship was a lie. Um, and, uh, and so they come apart and they're just like, I don't know what we are anymore because uh, Rose told them that they should stay together because they are the answer to everything. Oh, wow. And they found out that Rose was also a liar. Oh, great. Um, <laughs> Like she lied to a lot of people about a lot of things. And like, is it safe to do a major spoiler here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, okay. I guess like as a warning, if you don't want the show spoiled for you, but I feel like this might be for people who are just in, like, yeah, who probably have seen it already or yeah. Okay, so it comes out, the big spoiler, it comes out that Rose Quartz was Pink Diamond, who... Oh throughout the show you hear rose quartz shattered pink diamond and that's what the started the war mm. but she was pink diamond and lied to everyone so this is and, just a, yeah again anakin vader situation here exactly yeah so but just the opposite way yeah. where anakin turned to the dark side and became vader whereas pink diamond turned to the side of life and became rose quartz and then steven that's um, so cool and so Steven is essentially a diamond, yeah. which is terrifying, but also yeah. it's also like the idea of, of Angelus on angel where, um, and, and spike to a degree when they're vampires, but when they gain their soul, or I think they do it in vampire diaries too, when they gain their humanity, mm-hmm. um, then, um, they like, they, you know, they turn good, they turn to the, to the light side. So, um, yeah. then you, then you have, um, angel who has all the sin in his history, and mm-hmm. so all like, like his idea is just like, I have to outweigh the good with the bad. So now I have to help the helpless and I have to save everyone every single day to kind of outweigh all the evil I've done in my life. Exactly. As, as jealous. Yeah. And that's kind of what uh, Rose was doing after turning into Rose and faking her shattering. Yeah. Um, wow. And it's interesting because Amethyst and Garnet never knew. Mm-hmm. Pearl was sworn to secrecy because Pearl was Pink Diamond's Pearl. Okay. Um, and so her last order as a diamond was don't tell anyone who I am. Mm-hmm. And so we, Pearl couldn't. Do we meet other Pearls not named Pearl? <laughs> they're all named Pearl. Okay. So, but they're just like, you know, different colors because they serve different diamonds or whatever. That makes sense. This is Pearl 7. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like, oh, this is white diamonds pearl. This is yeah. uh, yellow diamonds pearl. This, this is blue is, diamonds pearl. This is pearl Dobby. <laughs> yes. This is pearl creature. Yes, exactly. I wish I knew other names of elves in Harry Potter. Those are the only two I know. <laughs> That's fair. Same. Yeah. I'm not an expert on it. Holly is. That sounds correct. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting because when we find out that Rose Quartz was Pink Diamond, who we've all heard the whole war was against. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Amethyst freaks out and Ruby and Sapphire unfuse because they can't handle it. Wow. And then they're like, wow, Rose Quartz, who told us that we should be together, was a diamond the whole time. What is our relationship? And so they kind of have to go through their own separate journeys to come back together and be like, okay, I want this to work, but it has to be on our terms now. Yeah. We're not going to fuse for someone else anymore. That's cool. And yeah, it was just really cool. Um, And so the last thing I really took a lot of notes on, which as a cishet white guy, I am not an expert on, was how um, Steven Universe is a trans journey. Mm -hmm. The the whole show is a trans journey. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we've talked about that we, we are almost like not qualified to talk about throughout this podcast episode, but. Absolutely. Hopefully we're doing a good job with it and not overstating our bounds. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing my best to be respectful to everything, but right. Yeah. I am no expert, Yeah, but Steven from the first episode is a trans boy. Wait wait till you get to the Bosco and honey episode of this podcast. Cause uh, how the Looney Tunes was created uh, through um, race, like just racism, like the first characters. I we're, think I saw a post about that. Yeah, we're we're in blackface. Uh, yeah, blackface kids, which was awful, and that's how the Looney Tunes started. And that was like the main thing that in 1929, like Warner Brothers had going for it. The first talkie, the jazz singer, was blackface. Their first animated short was Bosco the Talk Inc. Kid, super racist. So yeah, I mean, I, again, that that's going to be a podcast episode, but I definitely want. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely cannot be alone talking about that. I need someone with that black experience to, to kind of talk with me through it. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, I actually ran a lot of my notes by one of my best friends who is trans and yes. she was like, yeah, you're right. Uh, so uh, I wanted to make sure that's good. Yeah. But uh, it's important because, you know, pink diamond becomes uh, Rose Quartz who becomes Steven mm-hmm. and that's the physical transformation, but in the end, he's a boy. Um, yeah. He's a trans boy. Yeah. So, and she made a video for him before she went through her transition. And it was a video to her son from her because um, she would never get to know him. And it was a note of love from the before times to reassure that he's done nothing wrong. Um, he's worthy of joy in his truest form and uh, and he can't let people just bring him down and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, she made a lot of mistakes, of course, in a journey to become her best self, her in quotes, um, which is Steven. Mm-hmm. Um, his entire journey is making up for the mistakes that were made in the before times, yeah. before the like- transition. I think about like the sacrifices that my parents made for me and like, and like, you know, they won't, they couldn't be their best selves because they sacrificed time that they could have had fun for work so they can afford to like, up, you know, raise me the way that they wanted to and to give me the best life that they can't give themselves, which I think is a really important thing for parents and having kids and that idea mm-hmm. of like, you're sacrificing your life. You're going to work every day so that your kid could have a better life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's 
one thing that she did for him. And throughout the show, it's really interesting looking at it through the lens of a trans allegory because gems who knew Rose Quartz or Pink Diamond, um, they use the dead name and incorrect mm-hmm. pronouns. Um, they are corrected, but oftentimes they can't accept the reality that is Steven. So wow. um, they're just, they keep calling him Rose. They keep calling him her. Um, like, this is Rose. She's this, she's that. And he's like, my name is Steven. It's so cool. Um, and we, we see it even in the people closest to him um, with Pearl, especially because she's lesbian and she loved Rose enough to support Steven in his growth as the man that he needed to be, but she's mourning the loss of her lover. Yeah. Um, and many others don't accept it at all. The diamonds who could be argued to be his either matriarchal grandmothers or mothers, they're kind of both. Um, they are so set in their traditional but problematic ways. They need to actively fight their deep-rooted transphobia for the sake of having any sort of relationship with Stephen. Yeah. And it's interesting to see the previous generation fighting their own traditions and their own ways of thinking so that they can have a relationship with this person who's important to them. Yeah. And just like um, how they learn about the world from their parents. You know, exactly. Just, like you said, the tradition, they're trying to keep these old traditions and it's like, well, why, you know, why, like, why, why do you need to keep that? It's not relevant anymore. Perfectly said. Yes. Um, they, they've suffered millennia of turbulence when they just refuse to accept their child's original issue of not being the daughter they wanted to groom in their own image. Cause they want pink diamond to make colonies and destroy planets and further the gem Crusade. empire. Yeah. yeah. Um, and pink diamond saw earth and was like, I don't want that. This place is beautiful as it is. And so pink diamond was like, I can't be like the other diamonds. And then as Rose went through all this stuff and was like, I have gone through all this. I've done all these things. I've had my journey. I can't be this anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's so powerful. Yeah. And so they couldn't even comprehend the diamonds couldn't even comprehend that this child um, would actually give rise to the next generation, Mm -hmm. um, which complicates things, but is essentially a son grandson to them. Um, Even Amethyst and Pearl had trouble accepting Steven as a human male when he was a baby. There was an episode about when he was a baby and it took him a bit to accept him as he is. And Garnet needed to remind them to refer to him properly. Uh, Even she didn't fully understand, though. She thought he was a fusion of kind of Rose and kind of Greg, Mm -hmm. even though Greg was still around. Um, But because Garnet's a fusion, she's like, my way of understanding the world is through fusions. Um, Makes sense. It's like how a lot of, um, like, uh, Tumblr... uh... Is a Tumblr? Yeah, a lot of how like Tumblr um, fan like fan girls can't understand uh, any relation, like can't understand any character unless they're in like a ship. <laughs> yep, that's correct. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, a little similar. And 
Yeah, absolutely. Which I love all those people. I love I love Tumblr uh, girl fans. I think they're great. Yeah, and they bring a whole new perspective to things, which is really fun. Yeah, Um, exactly. But yeah, so it's it's interesting to see it through their eyes too, because Pearl, a a direct quote from Pearl was, "It comes so naturally for humans, well, it's not natural for us." And Amethyst came back and said, "It's not about us. It's about Rose." Mm. And Garnet said it can't be about rose anymore from now on it's about steven yeah and it's really important to me that so many trans and non-binary people have this show to tell them it is okay to be you you are valid you are your best self and people need to learn that your pronouns are your pronouns they are correct they're yeah. not your preferred pronouns. They are your correct pronouns. <laughs> and your name is your name. It is not your dead name. Yeah. Um, I wonder if like JK Rowling has ever watched the show and been like, I don't understand any of this. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Oh, wait. Or, uh, I do understand the pearls. That makes sense to me. But yeah, uh, the pearl slaves I get, but nothing else. Yeah. I understand the pearl slaves and I understand the, the gay stuff. That's fine. <laughs> yeah but yeah but you know i guess you know she just became she she died in childbirth that's all it was that's the extent of what it was yeah um which is another level of the rose steven relationship but it goes deeper it definitely goes deeper it goes deeper it's also that yeah it is also the trans journey yeah and it's cool because the diamonds are probably hundreds of thousands of years old so and cool. if not more it's not really said but at one point in the movie um i think um spinel said something about being left alone for like a few thousand years mm-hmm. and she was like that was nothing i could do that standing on my head oh wow. and and then of course, she was making light of her trauma, but mm-hmm. uh, Yellow Diamond responds and she laughs and she's like, ah, it's true. That's nothing. Um, because they're so old that to yeah. them, a few thousand years is nothing. But then that also shows you how out of touch they are yeah. with the universe. Yeah. It's kind of like the Eternals in that way. If you've seen the yes. Eternals. Saw it twice. It was great. Yeah. But um, that whole ending sequence is just so cool. And I love, I got like light spoilers for Eternals. I just love how there's like this giant, like next to Hawaii or whatever in the Marvel, like the MCU, there's just this giant, like, like structure sticking out of the ocean now, like permanently. It's so cool. I love that. It's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah, That was a neat film. Definitely like the, um, like the, the gravitas of what they're going for, I feel like was more of what, uh, like Zack Snyder was going for with his superhero films. I could see it. Nah. Yeah. How it all has so much bearing on everything. Yeah. The sweeping landscapes and, and just like the epic nature of how people are shot in, in almost um, like real places. I think both those, like ju- the Zack Snyder's justice league and uh, um, Eternals has got, has that got it, got it, got that going for it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So hundreds of thousands of years old. So, I mean, potentially we can get like a, a prequel series where the gems are hanging out with dinosaurs, right? 
I mean, the gems have been here for thousands of years. So yeah. Yeah. We, we see them uh, when uh, beach city, which is the location for this was first founded. They were, they were there. Beach city, beach, beach city. Yeah. Beach city. Um, yeah, so like we see them there. They said they, they've been here for thousands of years. And when humans came along, they were like, this is cool. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I, I like, I love it. This is such a like cool idea for a show. There's so much they like, you know, you think of a concept for something and you're like, oh, I can do this with that concept and this. And they're doing like a hundred different things and juggling all this stuff. And they're managing it so well, it seems. It's like really cool. And then and then it's also just a kid's show, like at the yeah. end of the day. Like I'm sure like, a lot of kids that are watching this who are 10, like don't pick up on like the like don't pick up on the archetypes and the 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 deeper meaning behind a lot of this stuff. Of course, yeah. Some don't, and then some do. Like I've I've got students in my uh in my classes. I'm a high school French teacher for anyone who was wondering what I do with my life. Aside from talk about Steven Universe, um, <laughs> um, and I, teach, I teach Steven Universe to high school students. Yep, that's in it. French. I definitely make references to Steven Universe in French, but um, <laughs> nice. Uh, but some of my students uh, are so open in my class because I show them I get it, and when I bring up Steven Universe, a lot of my trans and non-binary students are like, "Yes, I love it so much. That is one of my favorite shows." And it's like, yeah. Because it shows you that it's okay to be you. Nice. And this show is created by Rebecca Sugar, right? Yes. That was That's the showrunner? That is the showrunner, yeah. Right. She also, I think, does the uh, ending credits songs. They're oh, like wow. her. She sings um, them? I believe so, yeah. Cool. And uh, she was one of the animators on Adventure Time, too. That's cool, yeah. And then I'm, I'm, I was reading earlier that uh, she is bisexual and, and non-binary. Yeah, well. I've I've heard that. I don't I don't really know the proper pronouns. I haven't looked them up, but yeah. I I feel like I've heard that she they, I'm not sure. Um so if I do misgender Rebecca Sugar, I apologize. Yes, me um, too. I, I know uh, Wikipedia is going with she. I don't know um Okay. I know, using both she her and they them pronouns. So we can we can swap back and forth, which is okay. always fun. Yeah, we can use we can say for now it's she, they, and if I am corrected, then I apologize in advance and we'll go to the proper they pronouns. Yeah. Yeah. So just like, I mean, like incredible stuff. I mean, like, I, you know, I think um, Adventure Time kind of opened the door for a lot of animators to really get creative and really just like, okay, what do I want to do? You know, and like, how do I want to play this game? And we've just gotten some really, really beautifully animated and just like really thought provoking shit, like animated shows on Disney and Cartoon Network in the last 10 years. Absolutely. And I, th- I think you're right. I think Adventure Time really was the pioneer for it because they showed a lot of uh, really heady concepts. There was a lot of different government types. It's There's like a the... post-apocalyptic future too, where like the earth is. is like destroyed by like nuclear bombs. So it's like yeah. partially destroyed. And I think that's why I like food talks, right? Cause it's like nuclear fallout. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that's a big thing. And, you know, they show a lot about different types of government, a lot of different kingdoms and ruling classes and types of things like that. There's a lot of types of people. 
it's LGBTQ friendly. Um, there's a line that's become a meme uh, from Princess Bubblegum that's like, uh, some people are built different. You don't need to understand it. You just got to accept it. Yeah, that's 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 it. Yeah, that's like what my mom said. Like, there's just like just because like he's a different type of cool doesn't mean he can get like make be made fun of. Yeah. Exactly. I I could tell by meeting your mom that she is she was absolutely ahead of her time when she was younger. She I really was. Yeah. And I think she's gotten comfortable in falling back to like, like not being as progressive as she used to be, but like, she was definitely like far ahead of her time in the nineties for sure. Especially. Yeah. And I could, I could see why as well. You know, she was, she was probably fighting to get where we are now. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. So now that we've gotten there, she's probably just like, yeah, I'm, Cool, just kind of taking a back seat now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I can't believe we accomplished all that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and things too, like, uh, I go on a tangent about my mom, but like, she, By all she, means. she grew up in the 80s, and not grew up, but she lived in New York City in the 80s, and that's when all of her friends were dying of AIDS. So mm-hmm. things like Angels in America or Rent, uh, like when she saw Rent, she like was just crying the entire time. She was like, this was just my life during the um, like early 80s. Like, uh, yeah. And then like, so it's like stuff like that, like really, really messes with her. Same thing with like the Vietnam War. Like she saw across the universe and that just mm-hmm. like ripped her up. She's like, yeah, all my friends who like left for war never came back. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that resonates so on such a massive level with her because it's Beatles meets the Vietnam war. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. And yeah, with, um, with rent, it's like the kind of casual references. It's like, take your AZT or like yeah. AZT break. Yeah. And exactly. she must've just been like, yeah, that was absolutely a thing. Yeah. Candy bar rapper. No, that's not, that's not as relevant. <laughs> yeah. Like we know what that actually was. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, um, that was, that's, that was that's fascinating. What a fascinating show, Steven universe. What a, I like, what a cool person, Rebecca sugar, uh, like to, to create this whole thing. And what a, what a cool, like, I'm so glad that cartoon network, like understood the show and was able to put it on. Like maybe they didn't understand it and that's why it got away with the stuff that it did. I mean, maybe it was subtle enough for them to just, it might have gone over their heads. That's fine. They were just like, oh, it's a cool, goofy cartoon from the makers of Adventure Time. That's fine. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah. Adventure Time did well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure this will be good. It's bright and colorful. I love it. Yeah. Aliens and stuff. Yeah. Kids yeah. love that. Fine. Yeah. Alien rocks. I mean, like, that's that that's that's huge, right? People love rocks from space. I mean, we have the Infinity Saga, right? Yeah, right. Aliens which, love rocks. Which I wonder in the Marvel, um, not cinematic universe, but like the Marvel universe in general and like the comics and such, if they have, um, if the Infinity Stones, Infinity Gems have ever been anthropomorphized and turned like like human-esque. Like That's I, an interesting concept because yeah. so many people have had them before that like someone chaotic might've done it. Yeah. Like have they ever been their own creatures? Cause I feel like at some point, like every single like item becomes like its own like creature, like uh thing at some point in, in Marvel. 
I, th- I think about when the danger room in X-Men became like a character. <laughs> I mean, yeah, which makes sense because, you know, Cerebro is so uh, is basically self-aware at this point. Yeah, yeah. I guess, was her name Cerebro? It had to have been, right? I mean, yeah. I'm really bad at the comics and stuff, but that's what they called it in like the yeah. first x-men movies yeah i think i think it is overall called uh cerebro i don't remember when she becomes uh like a actual like robot like on her own if she's still called cerebro or if she's just like mrs danger room or something <laughs> <laughs> who knows well, that, danger room yeah <laughs> mrs would would uh mean that she's married to, to somebody who would who would danger room be married to um charles know. obviously <laughs> that's fair yeah yeah uh, <laughs> because he couldn't work it out with magneto so <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah i've seen all the stuff you looked at through me <laughs> per- <laughs> I've, I've seen it just yeah. ask him out already come on. <laughs> yeah come on seriously <laughs> <laughs> you guys need to stop with the war you're tearing people apart just get together already yeah it's like grindelwald and dumbledore right exactly same, the same thing yeah same exact thing no difference whatsoever if they just hooked up so many problems would not have happened yeah they do touch hands in crimes of grindelwald i'm interested to see them i hope they kiss i really want them to kiss like <laughs> hardcore i want to see mads mickelson kiss um what's his face um so badly in those movies we'll we'll see we'll see what happens i don't know i feel like they're again like is warner brothers afraid of showcasing a, like a, a gay kiss in a in a harry potter movie i mean they they finally had a gay kiss in a star wars film and then in in like china and certain countries they cut it out it was just in the background yeah. but it was it was there i mean we all wanted to be pin and pin we all wanted to be Finn and Poe. I guess you can call them Pin as their ship name. That could be the ship name. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I think they got cold feet with that. They didn't want to do that. Which is sad because they would have been great together. Absolutely. Uh, I also like how um, um, the internet ships uh, Hux with Rose, which I think is really interesting. Huh. <laughs> and like... Hux in, in, in a lot of fan fic has a cat. <laughs> he has like this big orange cat. I forget its name, but uh, yeah. Garfield. Exactly. Yeah. Not Heathcliff. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah. And then, and then, you know, the most popular, um, to bring it back to uh, Warner Brothers, Harry Potter, you know what the most uh, popular fan fiction relationship is in all the fan fiction? I mean, it's, it's in Harry Potter. I mean, I feel like it's just Harry and Malfoy. You're, you're, you got one of them correct. It, it is. I have a, like, I'm trying to distance myself from the Harry Potter franchise just because Joanne is such a transphobe. It's, but yeah, yeah, um, and she she like gives money to uh, transphobic um, like camps and stuff to try I, to turn kids. I hate it so much, but it's um, yeah, but I do have students in my class who are just absolute. Um, not stands. What's the other word? Simps. They call themselves simps for okay. Malfoy. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's Malfoy and Hermione. That's the biggest. Like interesting. Yeah, by far. And I think I think Malfoy and Harry are pretty big on there too. And uh, yeah, I imagine, I imagine Malfoy and Ron would be on there somewhere as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure. 
it's interesting. I, I, I saw this like rubric and they, and they showed like the most popular, like the thicker the line, the, the more fan fiction is written about them. And they have all the characters with all the lines going to each of them. And like Cormac McCarthy, I think was in there. You know, there's so many random uh, like characters that you would never think of that people write these things for. It's so interesting. But I'm sure there's tons for Steven Universe too. Fan there's fiction. gotta be. Yeah. And like people fusing together. Yeah, because not everyone got to fuse. I was real upset that uh, Peridot and Lapis never fused because they lived together. Aww. Um, Like at one point. And it was clear that there was something going on. But like... Yeah. What I'm wondering is maybe they didn't fuse because Lapis, after Malachite happened, had a um, had maybe a fear of intimacy. Okay because of how toxic that relationship was and it went on for a while yeah that makes sense yeah so it's it makes sense maybe maybe that's just what happened maybe peridot was down but lapis was like i i can't yeah so i think we're towards the end of the episode i'd say Uh, so yeah um do you have any final thoughts jeremy on steven universe uh steven Rose, Quartz, DeMeo, Universe, Diamonds was a really <laughs> important character and, a, and really just, it's such an important show. And uh, and I know I said the name in the wrong order, but it's fine. It's okay, next, uh, time, next time you go into French class and next time I go in to work with a kid, um, the kid's going to be named uh, Universe. Just watch. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. This is Uni- um, Universe Johnson. That's his name. This is this is Rose Quartz Johnson. Uh, <laughs> his his sister. Yeah. Don't let them touch. They might fuse. I don't it, know. It happens. We Steve and Rose were the same. So like, uh, it's you know, just don't let them. Just don't let them do it. it it's a paradox. Um, <laughs> it could rip the universe apart. Oh, by the by the universe, I mean Greg. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna we're gonna call you greg because i don't understand the name universe it probably actually saying that they actually showed it in the uh in the show that greg was listening to like one of his oldies because he was definitely like an like a music guy um and in the oldies one of the lines was hello mr universe and that's where he got his name because his actual last name is DeMeo. Oh, nice. (laughs) He just made that and legally changed his last name. Reminds me of Patty Mayonnaise DeMeo. Yes. From Doug, if you're not, if you're not familiar, everybody. Yeah. Maybe they're related. Who knows? Well, and and it's funny. Doug Doug has nothing to do with Warner Brothers. It has everything to do with Paramount and then Disney. But yeah. We don't talk about the Disney one. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's. Yeah. Um, But I mean, yeah, I I mean, this is my my thoughts are just that this show is so important to so many people because it shows from an early age that you can just be yourself. And a lot of shows say it, but they don't. But I feel like there are exceptions. Mm -hmm. It's like you can be yourself, except. Yeah. But then this one's like gay, straight, um, uh, het, non-binary like or cis non-binary trans um what is it um monogamous 
polyamorous, whatever you are, whoever you are, just be it. Yeah, go for it. It was a lyric in a song. Why don't you just let yourself, why don't you let yourself just be whoever you are? Yeah. And what an important lesson to teach kids as well. Just be yourself. Don't be like everyone else. Um, don't get bullied into being like everyone else. And uh, as time progresses, I think that as we, as we turn into adults, as we become adults in, in our culture and our, in our society, um, and, and our global culture and global society, not even just being Americans. I think that um, we are getting more loving as a humanity um, for everybody, every type of person. We are getting more open to being accepting towards people who aren't necessarily like us. And hopefully that continues. And I think it will. And I think shows like this, which showcase such powerful themes and emotions are um, on the front line of um, pushing our culture and our society forwards to a more accepting universe, a Steven universe, if you will. <laughs> Which is really all we can hope for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we, Steve- we need to make our universe as Steven as possible. Per- precisely. Uh, Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell would agree. <laughs> I, I think so. They may agree that this is the superior Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. The ultimate Stephen. Yeah. So the, this this has been it for the AT and WB podcast. I've been your host, Chris Booker Taylor, and I've been joined with Jeremy Bloom. Um, I have been your guest, Jeremy Bloom. We'll see if I still am after. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just I'm <laughs> gonna cut you out of the episode. So it's just gonna be me talking randomly, being like, oh wow, that was so fascinating. I'm just like, who's he talking to? What's happening right now? <laughs> wow, Chris, that was so fascinating. Thank you, Chris. That was great. I love yeah. your insight here, Chris. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take all the credit and just re-record your dialogue. <laughs> As Chris. Yeah. Chris, Chris to Chris. <laughs> Chris to Chris is the next coast to coast exactly it's like remember it's when the space ghost chris to chris <laughs> space ghost space chris ghost to chris Wait, <laughs> i don't know it's like the even stevens they used to have on the daily show where they had steve colbert and steve carell argue against each other yes that was like one of the best things ever but it would just be me it'll be even chris, chris it'll be even chris yeah even chris with chris and chris need <laughs> be debating myself <laughs> And agreeing and then ending the show real quick. <laughs> well, I agree with you. Oh, I thought you're okay. Then we're done here. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> oh, well, I agree with me. I guess I'm right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I, I'll end the words with the, the, I'll end the podcast with the magic words of the one and the only Porky Pig. So here it comes. And then that's the end of the show. That's all, folks. All right. That's it. Yay. We did it. We did we did it. it. <laughs> How what's what time? Okay, so it was like it, it was as long as I thought it would be. Yeah, you said we would cap it at two hours. That was two hours. Yeah. Are you sure you want to stop recording on the cloud? FBS. 